All right, Joel. First of all, it's good to see you again, buddy. Oh, it's been a while since I've heard your voice over my system. And it's been a while and I can still remember just the way you test. Ugh. <laughs> It doesn't work well in this scenario, by the way. Oh, it does. It doesn't. I've missed you. Uh, oh, it it does. The Tumblr fan fiction is starting now. It's going to be... They're about to ship us, I believe the kids are calling it these days. Also, I just want to throw this out there that, like, Aaron Lewis is, like, the single worst musician I've ever heard live. Let our, let our, our listeners sync with that. Okay, so it is good to see you again. I know it's been a while, as you said, but we are back, and we're getting into the holidays, We've got Thanksgiving a couple weeks ago. We've got Christmas coming up. We've got Kwanzaa, Hanukkah. We have New Year's and... Hold up, hold up. How are we... Is there even a Kwanzaa-related villain in the world? There fucking better be, because I want to do a Kwanzaa episode. Can we do a Kwanzaa episode? That is my question. I mean, I feel like we can do anything our hearts desire. I have to do a Kwanzaa-related episode now. I have to do a Kwanzaa-related episode. <laughs> oh. Assistant Meg. Yes. I will require you to get on Google and find Kwanzaa murderers. My assistant is in the room, ladies and gentlemen. We're sorry that we missed Thanksgiving, but we're going to make it up with a nice special Thanksgiving episode. You know, just to kind of bring us into the nice holiday season. A little bit of a question here for, for you, Joel. With Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays coming up, what is a no-no topic for you during the holidays when you've got family in from out of town and you're all surrounding on, at the dinner table, you're all eating and talking about amazing stories in your lives? What is your big holiday no-no conversation? Okay, uh, I would have to say uh, the normal family thing, which is politics and religion. Just don't, you just do not talk about anything other than Jesus. Well, wait. You say so you want to talk about religion. No, no. If you're going to talk about religion, it's going to be about Jesus. Okay, especially in, you know, Christmas-centered, you know, gatherings. And to, if you talk about politics, just don't. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my choice, too. I don't think there's a better answer than both of those things. Uh, I guess abortion's up there, but... That's that's not too common. You know, you know, you don't usually have the abortion talk at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> it was my family that falls directly under the religious conversation. Unless of course you're eating deviled eggs and then you can talk about how much you enjoy these chicken abortions. Can I just say you've ruined fucking deviled eggs for me? <laughs> the fact that you somehow for, found a correlation between deviled eggs and abortion has now ruined my favorite holiday side of all time. Yeah. I'm never going to not be able to look at it and think, wow, those are whipped fetuses right there. I mean, they are, though. Thanks, Planned Parenthood. <laughs> yes, politics, definitely. I, I do have a little bit of a strange one. This one was a little race-centered. This was a few years ago. My family lived out in a small town in Indiana, and I have a uh, an aunt that shall not be named. Wait, your Aunt Voldemort? What? <laughs> yes. She decided to tell me and Brandy that her daughter had been running around town sleeping with black people <laughs> you know it's really racist the moment one of two things happens if someone whispers the ethnicity like if they're in the full conversation of like and let me tell you it was a black person <laughs> or they do the especially in like my parents house out in the middle of the country where it's like just our family it's like what are you whispering 
also black is not a bad word. It's just a family <laughs> full of Caucasians, and there's a deer about two miles off in the field going like, did, did I just hear a racist bitch? Did I just hear a racist bitch? <laughs> right. That was a fun uh, Thanksgiving topic. Uh, luckily, that happened after dinner, I believe. That was that was further down the line. And then uh, another good one. Someone in my family's custody case. <laughs> that, that was a really fun holiday topic. A family's custody <laughs> case. That is bad. Okay, so you had mentioned abortion. I suppose that does come to a very awkward family Thanksgiving conversation because... Where I live, about 20 minutes from there, they had one of the largest... Abortions? No. <laughs> AIDS outbreaks. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. In recent U.S. history in a small town called Austin, Indiana, which is like a population of like 2,000 people maybe and 200... It's not very many. 2,000 people and 200 people are now HIV positive. Yeah, I was going to say it's close to 10%. This was... And, and for those of you that are not familiar with this area at all, I, I grew up way closer to this town than you did. I was I was five minutes away in Scottsburg, which is basically just Austin 2.0. <laughs> but this town made, like, international news. This was BBC headlines. Yes, because our wonderful vice president said, since Planned Parenthood only does abortions and no other things, we should get rid of Planned Parenthood in all these areas. And it's not like Planned Parenthood does free drug testing, free fucking STD tests and cancer screenings, cancer screening or hands out in this particular area, clean fucking needles. Oh yeah. And he took away the, I mean, let's be, to be fair, Austin does have other areas to go to for free STD tests and free needle exchange, or they used to, but it was never any place that was anonymous. So you took that, so our president took that away because of Jesus and abortion. So that was a fun conversation to have with my grandfather and tried to explain to him <laughs> why, you know, no, no, not every Planned Parenthood does abortions. They do a lot more. 10% uh, of a population of a small Southern Indiana town has HIV as a result. So yeah, I can get you on that. Uh, this Thanksgiving, I even had a uh, crippling panic attack for the like probably the second time in my life so that was fun that was a good time oh we're talking about shitty family get-togethers and now let's have a conversation about the guy who fucking murdered his entire family on fucking thanksgiving not entire family not entire family give him some credit here oh he shot four out of the six my bad <laughs> All right, so with that being said, welcome to episode 33 of the Curly Mustache Podcast. I'm Steven. I am Joel. Let's just fucking keep babbling mingle. <laughs> and as we get into holiday season, like I said earlier, we've decided to kick it off by talking about a couple Thanksgiving-inspired villains today. Only two weeks past Thanksgiving. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, listen, I, I just used the turkey leftovers for... Uh, for a nice turkey soup. I did not get any turkey leftovers this year. I am so pissed at my family right now. Fuck your family. Hey, hey! <laughs> hey, now! Hey, 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 hey! Bitch, I will drive down to you and knock the fuck out of you! Bring it on, buddy. All right. I have nothing right now. I have nothing. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Jesus, this got dark. But let's talk about something even darker. Paul Mirhidge, or also known as... The Thanksgiving Day Killer. Yeah, this guy's really cool. I feel like every time I say his name, I want to say it like the uh, 
like the old 1960s, 1970s grindhouse trailers for like Black Christmas, like Thanksgiving. the Thanksgiving Day Killer. He'll cook your goose. <laughs> gobble, gobble, death. You know, something like that. What was that from? The intro of Planet Terror or something like that? I was thinking of like the Black Christmas. Yeah, but it's like the, the fake trailer. Fake thanks. Yeah, Planet Terror. Oh, yeah. Or, uh, Planet Terror. Yeah, yeah that, this guy totally belongs there. I mean, he's kind of young, too. He's uh, He was born in 1974. He's actually still alive, uh, which puts him, you know, in his 40s. This guy, on November 9th, 2009, uh, this was in Florida, because of course it was in Florida, right? <laughs> of course, because, you know, Florida is not known as the dingleberry of the U.S. for nothing. Right. And so what Paul Marriage did was shot and murdered four of his relatives during Thanksgiving dinner. Well, right after Thanksgiving dinner. During the Thanksgiving dinner festivities. And this is kind of a strange case that we're talking about today. No, uh, Paul is actually our second. We didn't really discuss this with uh, Ronnie DeFeo, you know, but uh, Paul is our second family annihilator. Yeah. It's, it's a law enforcement term for certain types of killers. They're neither serial killers nor spree killers. They're the type of killers that specifically focus in on their family and their family alone for a very deep-seated, uh, hate-filled reason, which makes them unique in, in serial killers because we, in killers in general, because we as a species are an incredibly social creature. We're a very tribal animal. And, and even deep in our, un, uh, in the remnants of the unevolved lizard part of our brain family is sacred right in a sense so these are a very unique special kind of killers because much like cannibals or incest they go against the ingrained evolutionary uh impulses that are part of us as a species right and there's a technical term for that called a fratricide yes that's it thank you yeah so Let's talk about him as a child a little bit, because this is kind of a strange case. Normally, you have something that happens when you're a child that kind of throws you in this direction that you end up with. You know what I mean? You have these, you know, whether it be brain damage or long-term just stress or abuse or something along that lines. And as far as Paul goes, he lived a decent home life. He got along with his family, his mom, his dad, his twin sisters. He was never known for fighting much with his family. As a, as a child. And he was also extremely well-liked going into middle school and high school. Many of his peers were, like, very shocked when they found out about his actions. Pretty much everybody came out and were like, no way. There's no way this guy did this. He was the nicest guy I've ever met. Oh, yeah. Every single documentary and, uh, like, a t YouTube documentary I watch always had that overly dramatic music and, like, the real, like, the close-up camera zoom face of, you know, and the music would go, boom, boom. <laughs> and it's like Paul Bear, he's neighbor in second grade's first cousin. You know, they're going to interview everyone. And it's just like always that shocked look of like, we had no idea when he was a boy that this would happen. And, and the common theme was he, he was a success story waiting to happen. Yeah. He was genuinely, from everything I found, a nice guy. He took an entire page out of his yearbook to talk about how much he loved his family. And how blessed he was to have his sister. Yeah, he was a success star. He was a small town hero. Yeah, you know, he would have inevitably become a small town hero. You know, in all likelihood, he probably would have just you know like opened the first car lot in you know Chattanooga, Tuga Tuga, 
uh, Florida or whatever, but the point is, he would have been a small-town success story, a small-town hero. He would have gone on to do great things. But, uh, yeah, college done fucked him up. Well, even in high school, like you said, like going along with his like success story waiting to happen, he was an honor roll student. He was a student athlete, like a, a successful student athlete. He would constantly bring up positive messages to his peers. He was pretty religious, not like extremely religious, not like Bible thumping religious, but almost the good side of religion where he, he's just like, hey, you know, be excellent to each other. <laughs> I would equate him from what I've read and what I've heard kind of like my aunt. My aunt is incredibly religious, but she is one of those like she walks the walk, talks the talk, and treats everyone with respect. And that's that's how I view this guy. But there is also something about cuz not to skip ahead, but it all it does connect to this. He did at 19 uh his freshman year at the University of Miami, he had a mental breakdown. And that was after a full semester of honor roll. Yeah, a full semester of honor roll. So I kind of look at this now with uh with a big picture sort of thing, seeing the behaviors before and the behaviors after and, and the research we've done on other killers. And I kind of have to ask myself, is this one of those situations where the illness was there and him being so overarching good as a person was kind of him compensating a little bit? And then the mental breakdown made it so he could no longer hide it to himself or to others? Or was the mental breakdown just really something in and of itself that caused the downward spiral? My thought is, is that when you have somebody that is a student, a successful student athlete, uh, a straight A honor roll student, somebody who's well liked by everybody, somebody who's always spreading the positive message, it's almost like they're not processing the shitty parts of life well. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. it, almost like a Ned Flanders situation here. That's what comes to mind. You remember the episode of The Simpsons where Ned Flanders just finally fucking cracks? And then he realized that, like, when he was a kid, he basically went to an, an all-day therapy session of spanking until he just held it in for the rest of his life? Until he just finally had a fucking meltdown? No, I do not remember that fucking disturbing-sounding episode of fucking The Simpsons. Jesus! Yeah, it was, it was early. It was, like, season six or something like that. But... It's kind of similar in my mind. Like, basically, this guy, like, builds up all this pressure uh, on himself of trying to be good and trying to be good and trying to be an honor roll student and trying to be a student athlete. Goes into college. He's an honor roll student, which, you know, to go into college as a freshman and completely change your scenery and be an, an honor roll student, like, that's an enormous amount of pressure to put on a 19-year-old. That, along with the rest of his pressure, I think that possibly caused the nervous mental breakdown and... It has been shown that when you have a breakdown like that or when you're feeling like insane amount of pressure or depression, things like that, like your fucking brain changes. Yeah. Like it, it actually fucking changes. So that could be what happened to make this guy's script flip. Yeah, I have personal experience with that kind of thing. Well, like because someone who got, uh, got pregnant and her family has a history of bipolar and clinical depression like you know, mom, grandma people in the past and the doctor told me that you know like that kind of stress combined with postpartum depression and pregnancy can cause what those latent things that you might have just considered quirks 
you know, the chemistry in the brain just clicks just enough to bring those fucking snakes out at full volume. And then your brain basically makes up for lost time. And I know that sounds like I'm being incented by saying snakes, but it's an insidious kind of disease. So you, I, I think of it in those kind of terms. So please don't take offense, listeners, please. It's kind of interesting that you say that because it, when we get into it, he makes a comment that kind of makes it seem like, oh, wow, okay, so maybe this was building up in him for so long. But regardless, let's get back to his freshman year. After he had this breakdown, he started battling like severe depression, obsessive compulsive disorder. He suffered from insomnia, started suffering from obesity, uh, receding hairline. He was super... He was self-conscious about that to the point a 19-year-old kid is using Rogaine because he doesn't want to be bald like his dad. You know, so you got all this shit going on. And then now you have the personal... And you got to think this is also the 80s, right? When, you know... Lots of hair was the thing, you know? And I know that sounds like I'm being silly, but you got to take in that cultural aspect of the 80s. Hair was the fucking, you know, if you were bald, you were not cool. And what 19-year-old doesn't want to be fucking cool? Right. Well, uh, there's a couple cool bald people from the 80s. Not many. Though. Yeah, again, not many. Even Bruce Willis had hair in the 80s. Barely. He was holding <laughs> on to that shit like, you know. <laughs> he he was holding on to it like a dying man to the fucking side of a boat, just about to drown, just being like, I won't let you go, receding hairline. I won't let you go, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. We had to sneak a Die Hard reference in here. It's the holidays. Absolutely. <laughs> the greatest Christmas movie of all time. His OCD basically got so fucking bad that he was continuously bathing and shaving. Like, he couldn't hold down a job. Uh, because he didn't like leaving his house and he was struggling to get to places on time. He couldn't make decisions on a regular basis because of his obsessive compulsive disorder. All stemmed from this nervous breakdown. And it got to the point where he would just skip this mental medication that he would have. Because he did attempt to go to therapy a couple times. And he would skip his medication and then he attempted to commit suicide after that. Yeah. And this is a little off topic, but for you folks at home... Because I knew I, I, I have a hard time kind of placing my mind to being able to understand people with uh, some form of mental illness, whatever it may be. And I think it's an important conversation we have if we can work it into the show to really just let people know there is no stigma in having it. You know, there is help. You can have it and live a long and healthy life. But for those of you who are like me when I was younger, who didn't understand, like, for example, OCD, like my brain, I couldn't grasp it. Look up on YouTube and watch Michael J. Fox on Scrubs. And he literally gives the most accurate on-screen portrayal of what it's like having OCD. Like I have people who, who I know can barely function, but they make it, they fight, they get through, and they are genuinely survivors who say that is the single most accurate portrayal that's ever been done in media of someone with OCD. Yeah, I can see that. So I just want to throw that out for our listeners. Check that out so you can have maybe a better understanding of this guy and how bad it was for him. So I think in, in around 2006, this was three years before like the, the Big Bang. And it's theory? Yes. Bazinga. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's stupid. Yes, it is. I'm not proud <laughs> of that joke, okay? I'm not proud and I want to apologize to my fans. His sister filed a complaint in 2006 saying that he would routinely threaten to kill her. But 
apparently, like, right after that, she withdrew the complaint. So it was probably a little more along the lines of siblings fighting and yeah, saying, I'm going to fucking kill you because I've said that to my brother many times. Yeah, but a quick question for you. Is your brother got, like, that level of uh, mental issues? No, but I do. Okay. I feel personally, <laughs> if someone has that kind of deep issues that they have been struggling with since an inciting incident, fucking take them seriously. Yeah. I know it sounds like I'm being cavalier and unkind, but really take that shit seriously, ladies and gentlemen. Especially since like it's basically thought that, you know, wh- while this was all building up, he was just becoming jealous of his twin sister's success. Uh like seeing his own mental breakdown as a failure because like we said, this guy had it all going coming to him. He was on the way to becoming something great and uh at least scholastically and as a person and that, like, the resentment mixed with, like, his mental illnesses basically just turned him violent. Yeah, it's kind of like the extreme version of that guy you know from your hometown or that small town you live in from high school. That thinks Olive Garden is fancy? Fuck you. But, no, uh, he's you know, he's 36 and still wears his Letterman jacket and talks about, you know, that time he made the game throw, you know, the winning throw on his football, you know, game when he was the quarterback or whatever. Yeah, this is the extreme version of that. And he thinks Olive Garden is fancy. It's all a matter of perspective, (laughs) all right? If you eat spaghetti alone, cold, in the dark, sad that your life is pathetic, like, per se, a certain podcast co-host, Olive Garden is fucking fancy as fuck. (laughs) Olive Garden is not fancy. Listen. FYI, (laughs) endless breadsticks is a bunch of bullshit. They cut you off at 14. (laughs) Hey, man, if you want endless breadsticks, just go to Fazoli's. They will hook you up. No. Even less fancy. Fazoli cuts you <laughs> off at 21. Or they did back in the day. The one where I near I live, they cut me off at 21 one time. I just wanted to see how many fucking breadsticks I could get in my big fat gullet. But to be fair, at Fazoli's, you only need to order a water to get all the breadsticks. Not anymore. What? Not anymore. Oh, not anymore. That's some bullshit for Fazoli's. Those fucking bastards. Well, anyway... <laughs> That's great. I, I really hope we have some fans who can draw something because, like, any of our fans who want to draw, like, a garbage pail kid style picture of me stuffing my face, just chipmunk cheek in it with, like, fazolis in the background and breadsticks. I will send you that free picture. I will send you a free picture of me wearing the accent king autographed to you people don't want that not a single fucking offer i am kind of hurt by this imagine that i told you this to be foul (laughs) i haven't actually promoted it and i think i might have to start doing that you can take that last part off it's super weird though that you say that because i've had like 10 offers for people that want me to buy it and then destroy it in front of them i don't know it's just a weird thing where like people are you know what money is money Bring it. <laughs> Cash at me, brother. I will I'll fucking send you I'll send you all kinds of pictures for you to burn. You want the royalties. I want the royalties <laughs> of you burning my shit. <laughs> Alright, so let's get back to Paul here. So he goes to Thanksgiving dinner and they don't really know whether he expected to do what he did, but he, he shows up for dinner at his parents' house and he sits through a three hour dinner, which is a long fucking dinner, by the way. They finish eating, you know, they finish talking, everybody's having a good time. They start singing songs around the piano with the family. His little cousin is singing singing like songs. Six year old cousin 
He's standing by the family piano. I don't know who's playing. Was it grandma? Was it grandpa? Mm, I think it was mom or dad. Mom or dad is just playing the piano. And this adorable six-year-old is playing the piano. And it's at this moment, it just clicks with his brain. Now's the time. Now is the fucking time. And I just want to go on record and say, this whole bullshit of like, I didn't know if I was going to do it. He knew goddamn well he was going to do it. He didn't know when that day. But the terminology he chooses and his past behavior for this act alone and his past actions clearly show that he knew what he was going to do. And this is just him disassociating with from the guilt. You know, because it's easier to cope with if it, if you say, I didn't know if I was going to do it rather than I knew I was going to fucking kill him that day. So what happened is during the songs, he left the room, he grabbed a hunting rifle, and then he methodically shot and killed both of his twin sisters, one whom was pregnant at the time. Oh, He shot his 79-year-old aunt. And he shot the six-year-old daughter of his cousin, uh, killing all four of them. Well, first off, I'd like to welcome back to the show the hunting rifle, because uh, making a great resurgence to the show in the form of killing another fucking family. Jesus. Yeah, like, what is, is that just like the family killing gun? They should start putting it on ads. Hi, I'm Joel Mingle. I'm here for Acme Rifle. Have you ever wanted to kill your whole family at one go during a family get-together to snuff the light from your family? Go with Acme Hunting Rifle, the preferred choice of family killers. I mean, it basically is, though. Like, holy shit. I mean, I guess it's it's clean, and it's, you know, it's methodical. I feel that there's more to this guy. I feel there is more to this story. Well, I was going to say, there wasn't any red flags that happened at this particular dinner. Usually there is a moment, and maybe it was the little girl singing, but there was no build-up fight, especially with a family fight. Like, take DeFeo, for instance. Him and his father fucking hated each other. We're screaming, fighting. He almost killed him, like, three other times. Like, this shit is coming to a boil. And this, yeah, he had a lot of mental issues, but there was never, like, this thought. I mean, obviously, if they're inviting him to Thanksgiving dinner, there was never this thought that, like, he's gonna kill everybody in the family. You know what I mean? I disagree. Like, the, Richard Chase, it's a family that kept inviting him to fucking dinner, you know? And they knew he was fucking cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and going to murder him at some point. Ronnie DeFeo's family heard from the therapist telling him he is going to kill somebody, you know? But they kept having him come back. I think, and this is just armchair psychologist, what the fuck do I know? Take it with a grain of salt. But I feel there's more that were going on. Leading up to this event, because it's a lot like serial killers, there is a building period. With the exception of, like, Richard Chase. Richard Chase being the extreme mental, you know, uh, incompetency that he had. I think that there's more to the buildup with this. And it's it's kind of hidden away under the, you know, oh, the family not kind of one to talk about it. You know, if we kind of ignore it, maybe it'll go away sort of thing. Because very rarely, I'm not saying no one, but very rarely do you go from one time really saying you're going to kill somebody to legitimately then going and killing your sister, the object of your murderous intent. Both his sisters. Both his sisters. 
I think that there was a buildup. I think I, I honestly feel that this is a, unfortunately a situation where the family didn't have an open and honest discussion about mental health, and they just kind of wash get kind of swept it under the maybe rug. no conversation with the police or anything afterwards that would allude to anything, you know, because they're not going to take the blame obviously for somebody's mental outbreak, because he did say you know that it was his mission to destroy his parents and family members by murdering people they loved. Like he said that he wanted to, like you had said in the, in the fake ad, uh, he wanted to snuff out the light from the family and he had been waiting 20 years to kill his sisters in front of his parents. When I mentioned earlier things that he said that, you know, like, like things he had said afterwards that he knew goddamn well, he was going to kill. He knew goddamn well, he was going to kill that day. He knew he was going to kill him. It was just a planning of when. And then, then the little six-year-old singing at a piano was probably, in his brain, the most cinematically perfect moment. And him saying, you know, oh, I wasn't sure if I was going to kill anyone. It's just him trying to disassociate from whatever guilt he may feel now. Well, I don't think he said that. I think that was just speculated by detectives. Okay, I misread that then. My bad. But either way, you know, saying he didn't know if he was going to kill, he fucking damn well knew. This is the hill I die on. Now, it's interesting, though, because of the complete 180 from just a couple years earlier in high school when he's taking a, a page out in the yearbook, tell, telling everyone how much he loves his sisters, has such a great relationship with them growing up and things like that. That, to me, feels more like there were small fights and things that built up over the years, and then the nervous breakdown kind of brought them all together. Kind of like you said, 20 years of back pay. Essentially. Building and building and building and building. Yeah, fucked up. So, basically, he fled the scene, just left his parents there, left most of his family members there, and he wasn't caught until more than a month later. Uh, he was arrested in Florida around January 2nd, 2010, and uh, in 2011, he was handed seven consecutive life sentences, and the judge told him he would never see the light of day again. That's kind of old school judge right there. Yeah, definitely. Nah, ma. You'll never gonna see the light of day. Not for me now. The state of Florida gonna put you down and you're never gonna see the light of day again. Seven life sentences! Jesus Christ. I'm glad he's just foghorn like horn. <laughs> I always envision, you know, a judge in Florida, like in a small town, to look like Matlock and sound like Loghorn, uh, you know. Loghorn, Faghorn. Foghorn, Leghorn. Faghorn, Loghorn. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I just imagine him saying, <laughs> Now, the guy and the doctor today, we're going to be taking a look at him. Oh, Mr. Paul Murray. Mr. Paul, sweet baby Jesus on on a tap dancing cross. You don't kill the seven. Uh, how many people? It doesn't matter because it's just crazy. Uh, you know, it's crazy. As far as a crow flies with a biscuit in its mouth. You know that Florida is not. Mississippi. Right? It's close. It's close. <laughs> it's got the rampant racism that Mississippi's got going with it. So as far as I'm concerned, Mississippi and Florida are just kind of the same. Yeah, basically. Florisippi. Florisippi. Yeah, throw Alabama in there too and Georgia. We really can just break them all off from the United States as far as... Now, leave Georgia alone. Leave Georgia alone. Ah, fuck Georgia. I love Georgia. Georgia's great, dude. They really love women. Okay, Georgia doesn't... Okay, listen. I had the best. I mean the number one greatest pulled pork sandwich <laughs> of my entire fucking life. And I don't think I've told this on this on the show. But let me tell you the story because it's pretty funny. I went to go see a 311 show on 311 day with my ex-girlfriend at the time. And what a fucking nightmare that was because I am unapologetically hate 311. I hate 311. 
hate them, but I had to sit through a seven-hour concert. And the only thing getting me through that seven-hour concert was the concept that they had a barbecue shop right across the street from the Holiday Inn, which we did not know in Georgia, this particular Holiday Inn was not the neighborhood to stay in if you were Caucasian. You don't stay there. And there's me at one in the morning, walking my pale white ass across the street going, Hey guys, how you doing? And they're just looking at me like, what the fuck's he doing here? Like they all just looked at me like they didn't know what to do. Like, I ate 12 of those Wait, what? fucking pulled pork sandwiches. They were the size of uh, white castle sliders. Oh, they're sliders. They're, they're barbecue but they, they were. Okay. They had just the right amount of coleslaw and barbecue with extra sauce. And just enough onions on there. It's like a mom and pop place. It was the greatest place. So we leave Georgia alone for that. For that alone, right there. Georgia gets Georgia gets no shit from me. If you want to come down and get some good barbecue, just come on down to North Carolina. To North Carolina? I don't know. I never done hard anything about North Carolina. You like how we're just kind of talking about food now to avoid the fact that we have kind of tainted our souls. Talking about a man who murdered a six-year-old and a pregnant woman and would feel dirty on almost like a spiritual genetic level. Because I don't know about you, but I need a spiritual shower. But no, it's hard to stay on the subject here because this is just, this is one of those, I think it's one of those crimes that really speaks to us on a primal level. Like I mentioned it earlier. No matter what your relationship with your family is, family is important. Yeah, I don't think I'd murder any of them. Right, but on a genetic level. So you hear this kind of traumatic evil, and I think it really does affect us, uh, affect you. Maybe not you personally, because you're a cold, callous son of a bitch, but I mean like your average normal human being who has part of their soul and kindness intact, unlike you. Um, I think it really speaks to you, like kind of gives you that fear if you know what i'm talking about you wouldn't know what i'm talking about but our listeners would know what i'm talking about well first and foremost souls are fake <laughs> families can be garbage so <laughs> and you burn garbage <laughs> i want to apologize but that was way too much yeah, fun that's fine that's fine that's fine <laughs> so anyway are you ready to move on to our second villain of the day i am i am ready to talk about the man who haunted me for years when I was a young child. It's so strange. Like, I've had several other friends that have brought this up too, and they've been like, oh yeah, I used to scare the shit out of me. And I'm like, like, how did I miss the boat on this? I got freaked out about it because my dad saw how much it freaked me out, and he just compounded it by like, I don't know, my he would set it up with my mom, or I would have to go downstairs in the middle of the night and he would hide, specifically just so he could hide underneath the stairs. So when I'm walking down the stairs, he would grab my leg and just go, <laughs> and make, you know, little six-year-old me levitate in the air and piss himself. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> that explains a lot, actually. <laughs> I love my father. I miss him greatly. But sometimes he's a bit of a sadist. <laughs> so, yes, we're talking about, from Disney Channel's TV movie from 1986... Mr. Boogity. Portrayed by the star of 1989's Revenge of the Stepford Wives, Howard Witt. Nice. 
<laughs> Say what you will about this guy, but I, I was doing some research on him. This was an actor's actor. He was a stage actor, right? He was very much a stage actor. And given what I've read about, you know, people talking about him, he was damn good. And it's unfortunate that his film career is very much not to malign the dead, but uh, very much hot garbage. <laughs> Revenge of the Stepford Wives. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Mr. Boogity, shall we? Something a little less depressing. <laughs> yeah. The main character of this movie is played by, of course, as we mentioned, Howard Witt. And he plays a pilgrim settler named William Hanover, who looks, I suppose, would best be described as like a slightly younger, more doughy from the face version of Walter Matthau. Okay, I can see that. Who lived in the late 1600s and... Being it's a Disney, you know, a Disney Channel movie, you know, you can't really go into it. But if you're a kid with an active imagination, his forms of being cruel and grouchy, and it's well known he hates all children and any forms of fun. In your brain, just given the way he looked and the way he acted towards the kid, your brain was like, this guy's even fucking worse than what they're showing. Oh, shit. Or maybe that was just me. Because when I was a kid, I watched it. I was like, oh, fuck, this guy's bad. Oh, I bet it's worse. I bet it's fucking worse. It's tough for me because, like I said, I fucking missed the boat on this. I didn't even see this until probably like three years ago or so. And then I just watched it recently with the release of Disney Plus because, you know, why the fuck not? So I never got this character as a kid. I never, so, like, I'm just watching it. I'm just like, well, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I saw it. I remember distinctly seeing it, watching it the night it premiered in on Slater Street in El Paso, Texas. I remember because we had that Disney movie night that the whole family would sit down and we'd break popcorn, tortilla chips. It's good times. And I must have jumped, and I guess it just put the seed in my dad's head that boogity, boogity, boogity was the way to fuck with his kid. Because ever since then years later hearing that in the middle of the night in the dark would fuck with my head that is that's fucking funny <laughs> then again this is the same guy as i've told on the show before who told me that night of the living dead was a real of movie a documentary and that i always need to be prepared for when zombies show up so socially it kind of is <laughs> socially speaking in a metaphorical sense yes it is <laughs> we won't get on that soapbox today will we? uh yeah so like you said like that's how we would scare children was by screaming boogity 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 at them that led to the nickname that this pilgrim had of mr boogity to the local children and uh this is the part that's kind of fucked up with mr boogity hanover william hanover you know he fell in love with this woman named marion and he just asks her to marry him and uh, they weren't together or anything so, obviously, she was like, a uh, no. Well, technically, I know it sounds weird now, but, you know, 16th century dating, that, that kind of was normal. I mean, there was at least some courtship. Oh, yes, look over there. Looks like you've got some childbearing helps. Looks like you might be able to lift some grain bags there. And your fat oh, you've got most of your teeth? I want to marry you. Yes, my name is William. Now we've been formally introduced with courting. If you don't marry me, I'm going to tell the uh, local magistrate you're a witch. And they'll burn your fucking family. That's 16th century dating right there. So she refused, obviously. And he wanted to win her hand in marriage. So what does he do, Joel? Well, let me tell you that, Stephen. I didn't know what exactly I needed to do, but I thought to myself, how about I make a deal with the devil? And in exchange for my soul, I'll be given a magical cloak. 
that would uh, grant me magical powers, I might be able to get a little bit of uh, that, that slick strange there. Disgusting, number one. Number two, is there a reason that he has this accent? He's a fucking pilgrim. And the pilgrim settled in the northern part of the United States, more precisely near Maine and that particular area. Listen. So, so they have the deep country Maine accent? The ground's sour down there. I haven't washed my genitals in three years. The ground is sour down there, Marion. Hope you don't mind. No, I'm making fun of this fucking asshole who sold his soul to the devil for a magic cloak to get laid. Yeah, but not only that, like, so he sells a soul for this cloak, right? And then he kidnaps Marion's son and tries to use him as leverage to make Marion marry him. Right? Just bear with me for a second, and let me try and figure this out. Okay. Walk me through the logic of Mr. Boogity here, all right? Walk me through this. Yeah, he sells his soul for a cloak for magical powers, right? Right. Okay, we got the cloak selling. Okay. But then he kidnaps her son for leverage to get her to marry him, right? It's one of those things where you got to have a backup plan for your backup plan. Okay. You know, you don't want to be a fucking fool... Having, you know, sold your soul because the devil is in the details, as they say. Well, you know, I asked the devil for this part of my soul, for my soul, and uh, it's a magic cloak, but I kind of didn't uh, specify I wanted the magic cloak to make the bitch marry me. The thing is, is what does he need the fucking cloak for? Ah, uh, you know, Stephen, Stephen, I'm going to have to tell you now, I'm not known for being the wisest right. or brightest crayon in the coloring box. So that's what I'm saying. He sells his fucking soul for a magic cloak that he doesn't even fucking use. He kidnaps her son, which he didn't need the cloak for, and then he tries to use the cloak and blows them all up. Kills all of them. Marion comes to his house. She's outside. Before she can get in, the house blows up because of his magic powers. All three of them are dead. That is kind of the worst deal made with the devil. <laughs> it 100% is. I've only heard of one deal with the devil that's worse and that was on Supernatural. In the TV show, The Mythology of Supernatural, when you die and go to hell, you're tortured so long that you lose your humanity and you eventually become a demon, right? And uh, the king of hell, a gentleman by the name of Crowley, one of the best characters uh, ever on that show, sold his soul to the devil in the 17th century in Ireland for half an inch more on his penis. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that is the worst deal ever. Half an inch? You sold your soul for half a fucking inch? Listen, if you're gonna do it, just go all whole hog. Yeah, seems... Next to Mr. Boogity, that is the worst Faustian deal ever in cinema or uh, pop culture. Just fucking pointless. But anyway, so they live on as ghosts in the area uh, where the house stood. And, you know, years and years later... The Davis family moves in. This is hundreds of years later. And the Davis family is tormented by the ghost of Mr. Boogity. And then Marion's ghost, she has to stay outside the house. And she basically pleads with the family to get rid of Boogity. So that she can reunite with her ghost son. I love it when ghosts in movies or pop culture do that shit. Like, <laughs> you have to help me. Let's help get rid of this ghost. I've never seen a movie or a TV show or anything where I just wanted to be like, bitch, we don't know what the fuck we're doing here. Right. How the fuck do we get rid of this ghost? You tell me what the fuck I got to do. I'm going to get rid of that. Until then, I just watched 
Oh, my kid fucking flew up in the air for 20 minutes. I don't even know how to handle this. And your ghost ass is now outside my bedroom window while I'm trying to fucking sleep. Telling me, get rid of the ghost. Bitch, tell me how to do it. And there's slimy fucking footprints all over my house. Exactly. Do you know how much it costs to put the fucking hardwood floor in? And <laughs> that would legitimately make me mad. Like, if, if I were in a, a haunted paranormal situation and the ghost couldn't give me... A clear fucking answer. I think that's why I like that character Lafayette from True Blood. Yeah. Where he's just like, mm, bitches. Ghost bitches. I need some more details. Why y'all gotta be mysterious and shit? Fuck off. Paranormal version of Kurtwood Smith from Robocop. Ghost bitches. Leave. <laughs> <laughs> so the family confronts Boogity and he almost kills them with his magical powers. And the youngest son uses one of his dad's joke machines which is basically just a vacuum and he sucks off and I I repeat he sucks off Boogity's cloak causing him to lose all of his evil powers and disappear. Jesus Christ, he sucks off his magic cloak, huh? Just sucks it off. <laughs> he does. Sucks it right just off. Just got ectoplasm all over his face, chest and neck. I mean, basically a ghost pearl necklace. We are talking about a child right now. We are talking about a child right now. I, f I feel that we may have walked into dangerous territory. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I did like? I did, When I was a kid, and this part scared me, is at the end of the movie where they're like, he's gone forever. Right before it fades to black, you just hear, wanna bet. I feel like there's a better sign off than wanna bet. Especially since he's a 16th century pilgrim who sold his soul to satan they just should have signed him off with boogity 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 yeah or you know been like oh dost thou think so like he he yells one a bit and he's like wait can i do a do-over wait no boogity boogity <laughs> he's just gone too far <laughs> he loses a cloak and satan finally comes from it's like we rolling now motherfucker no wait boogity, boogity, boogity. <laughs> it's like fuck I, I missed up my tagline but, uh, so this allows Ghost Marion to enter the house and reunite with her ghost son after hundreds of years apart. But Boogity does return in the 1987 sequel, Bride of Boogity, which I have not seen. Which I have not seen. I haven't got a fucking clue what Bride of Boogity is about. <laughs> to be completely honest, going over the notes as we have today, I didn't even fucking know there was a sequel. <laughs> I didn't have a clue. Well, there is a sequel, and he gets his cloak and powers back. And he finds Mrs. Davis in a pilgrim suit and mistakes her for his long-lost love, Marion. Oh, man, looks like you're back. Still got those child man hips. Just so you know, I sold my soul to the devil. And, uh... We're gonna keep doing this? Goddamn right we are. <laughs> We're gonna keep doing it. All right, this is a character. I am making a choice, an acting choice. And I don't need your judgment. You're not an actor. <sighs> You are not an actor, sir. I am a voice actor. I don't care if that's hurtful. I don't care if it's hurtful. <laughs> You're like that fucking kid from the internet with that video. Like, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it now. I'm not sorry that that hurts your feelings. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I don't care. But anyway, so Boogity snatches her up, tries to make her his bride, and he's defeated again. Blah, blah, blah. He's dragged down. This is a little darker, though, because he's dragged down to the underworld with the devil to be imprisoned for all eternity. No, if you watch these old Disney movies, they have some dark fucking themes to them. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I've been going back through, because, you know, Disney Plus, I've been going back through and watching the animated classics. 
And, like, so, of course, you know, I started with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And, like, the end of that movie is, like, the fucking, the witch, or the queen who's, you know, dressed up like the witch. Like, she she poisons Snow White and then the fucking dwarves jump on a on fucking deer and, like, moose and shit and chase her up the mountain surround her they're all like waving fucking pitchforks at her and shit and then she's like at the edge of a cliff the fucking cliff breaks she falls off the cliff the fucking rock falls down down on her and then the vultures are just like let's go eat her yeah legitimately i kind of want to take that scene from snow white where like they're chasing her while they're riding the deers and 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 all that stuff and put the hobbit movies when the dwarves show up and just be like Ah! You just hear Billy Conley and the other Irish dwarves. Just, I want to put that audio in there while they're chasing her. They're fucking dark, man. There's, we could go on and on about dark endings in Disney movies, but we'll save those for other villain podcasts. And I think it's safe to assume, and and you wrote this, and I think it's it's a uh, it's incri- incredibly accurate uh, to describe him to our audience. He looks like. A leper in a pilgrim costume with a hood and cloak on, and he glows like he was in fucking Chernobyl. Like, he was in ground zero for Chernobyl. Maybe I'm doing the wrong accent. Maybe he should just be like, Come, Marion. Come now, Marion. You need to come marry me. I come for you. We get this done. I sold sold the devil. No, he should Look, I glow green. He's got sores all over his body, so that's kind of why he, he looks radiated, basically. Yeah, he does. He looks like, you know, he's the dark side of radiation. Like, Peter Parker got bit, turned into Spider-Man. Mr. Boogie just turned into a bus-filled leper who sold his soul to the devil. Yeah. So, real quick, before we get to the uh, the bowler hat scale, let's just talk about his powers a little bit. Mainly, they're just shitty powers, like, that include being able to play tricks on people and scaring people. Um, but he does have fucking force lightning, so that's pretty cool. Yes, yes, <laughs> let the hate flow through you. Boogity, boogity, boogity. And then lightning. <laughs> boogity, do it. Do it, do it. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Yes, young Davis, you have failed, and you will Die. Boogity, 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 boogity. Marion, me and you are going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Marion, we're going to execute Order 66. 69. No! 69! 69! Oh, God. fuck! You fucked it up! I fucked it all up! Joel. God damn it. God damn it! <laughs> he also makes wax figures come to life. Yeah, I mean, that's some sorcery, I guess. I really think maybe, because I haven't seen it yet. But I kind of feel like Charles Band from Full Moon Productions probably stole that idea for the little fuckers from uh, Subspecies 1. Oh, yeah. From this movie. He's well known for stealing shit. He's awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, the subs- uh, Subspecies. I have no problem saying that is a guilty fucking pleasure. All right, so let's move on to the bowler hat scale, shall we? Absolutely, sir. So where does Mr. Thanksgiving Day Killer go? I have to look at this objectively. Right? All joking aside, we laughed, we ha-ha, we had some giggles. But I'm not sure where to put him because we look at the crime and four people dead is indeed... It's a tragedy. Five, if you count uh, the the, the unborn child. I don't. Don't. We're not going there. (laughs) We're not going there, okay? This is just not... We're not doing it, Stephen, because legally, if you can fucking prosecute them, someone for doing it, we're not going there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fetuses aren't people. 
Go ahead. Okay, anyway, <laughs> here's the thing. He is reprehensible, and his crime is terrible, but in comparison, uh, objectively, in comparison to our other crimes, he's not at the top. But he's definitely not low. I'm going to have to give him five and a half, maybe six. Because, like, on a personal level, on, like, that deep genetic unevolved part of our brain level. It's terrible. It fucking affects us. But given the fact we talked about a guy who used a cutoff dick to drink blood like it was a fucking uh, juice packet. Like it was a tasty freeze. He's got to be lower on the scale. I'm going to have to put him at a 5.5, maybe a 6. Okay, so I'm pretty much there with you. I think I'm going to go a little higher because of the six-year-old girl. Like, I, I feel you, but then again, you know, we've done Jimmy Savile, fucking Richard Chase. Yeah, those were tens, though, man. Like, Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, we have to look in comparison to what we had. But I get where you're saying from. I get where you're coming from with your rating. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was four people. It wasn't a serial killing. It was uh, kind of a spur of the moment, maybe a planned. You know, we really just don't know. We don't know enough about it. So I guess uh, I'll go like 6.5. 6.5 seems good. Uh, I'll, I'll allow it. Oh, thanks. Glad I have your fucking permission. And then, of course, we have our favorite, my personal favorite of the pop culture references we've done thus far, Mr. Boogie. Your favorite? One of my favorites. One of my personal <laughs> favorites. I didn't say he was, you know, he's just one of my personal favorites because I have. You have a past. I get it. Yeah, I, I got a connection. <laughs> Legit. He gets he gets a fucking four. I mean, he did blow up a child and a woman because he wanted to marry her and make her have his babies. Yeah, but he sold his soul to the devil so he could get laid, but didn't include the ability to get laid in the deal he made when he sold the soul to the devil. Well, yeah, he didn't even use it. He didn't even use it. And then his big thing is boogity, boogity, boogity. And he plays tricks, and he had a vacuum cleaner. He got defeated by a fucking vacuum cleaner. He's a four. A four is me being fucking generous to this guy. Scared you, didn't it? Yeah, it did. But now, object <laughs> looking back objectively... You're like, but now I'm not afraid anymore. I didn't say that. I'm just saying I'm looking <laughs> at it objectively. What a bitch. <laughs> what a fucking bitch. Yeah, man. Gotta be a three or a four. I'll... I'll I guess I'll go for. He did murder a child and his mother. So, yeah. This week's listener feedback, let's start with Miss Zach. Uh, she says, I remember reading about Ivan Malat after Wolf Creek came out. That shit really weirded me out, and I didn't want to go anywhere alone for a while. Uh, yeah, I really can't blame you on that one. No, especially, like, camping of any sort. Yeah. Women in general just have to deal with a lot of shit, and I just can't imagine what it must be like to watch a movie like that, and it's just like, Hey, how you doing that, Alf? You going camping? You want to go out? Let's go outside. Let's go for a walk. Yeah, so legit, I can understand where she's... I can't understand, but I can sympathize with what that feeling. All right, uh, second piece of feedback is from Elisa. She says, the backpacker guy is terrifying. I had never heard of him before, so it was, it was a super interesting episode. I learned a lot. What the fuck is this new podcast trying to rip y'all off? Get the fuck out. Also, the Escobar-Walter White episode was amazing. My top three are Blackbeard, Walter White, and Tony Soprano episodes. Those are good episodes. And I just again want to say to uh, uh, guest host, Miss Elisa, thanks, darling. We appreciate it. This fucking backpacker guy, like... It's creeping, creeping people out, man. He legitimately is. I, I, I've i never really read as many responses as we've got about 
someone villainous we've talked about kind of creeping people out as much. Like, we get guy people who comment a lot about how they're grossed out, but never really as genuinely creeped out as, as Ivan Malat has affected our listeners. The difference is, you know, most of the villains that we do are like serial killers, which is just such a rare thing, you know. And Ivan Malat is a serial killer, but first and foremost, he's an abductor. And he hunts people essentially when they're at their most vulnerable camping out in a tent you know so it's like people get abducted all the fucking time and this guy is an abductor more so than just a go to their house and fucking kill them type of guy he's a i'm taking you yeah he like lots of people use term uh you know he hunted his prey ivan malat legitimately did that so and our last bit of feedback is from again former guest host mr d hart in which he says, you guys have, should have done Pablo Escobar and Tony Montana, a.k.a. Scarface. Yeah, I, I get that, but... um, We didn't. We didn't, so... But yes, that probably would have been a better match, but I'm sure there's other drug kingpins that we can do Tony Montana with. Yeah, we, we, we got plenty. All right, guys, so thank you so much for listening to episode 33 of the Curly Mustache Podcast. Wish you all a happy late Thanksgiving, happy upcoming holidays. We do have some more holiday episodes coming up for you. Hopefully you guys ate as much as you fucking could and you didn't murder your fucking families. Yeah, we really hope for the sake of legality that you didn't fucking murder your families. <laughs> and if you did, uh, one, don't tell us. And two, we're not going to talk about you. Yes. Okay. Definitely not. You are not going to be on our villain podcast, you selfish prick. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. We appreciate you listening, as always. And the best way to help us out is to spread the word by telling your friends. If they like true crime and pop culture, then send them our way. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Overcast, pretty much any and all other major podcast platforms out there. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate, and review. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Curly Mustache Podcast. I'll typically post lots of awesome content that have to do with our episodes, like like photos, poems, songs, videos, interviews, and more. Uh, if you want to check out other United Cypher shows, check out the music video countdown and motion picture meltdown. You can also check out old episodes of Talks Over Games, The Anime Alphabet, and Fallout Forecast. And lastly, check out some shows from friends of ours like Nerdonomy, The Whiskey Reel, Sorry to Waste Your Time, and Code Yellow, A Scare Actors Podcast. I'm Steven. And I'm Joel. And make sure you stay evil. <laughs> <laughs>